Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 210. Wait. Wait. No. Wait, you get a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot. Oh, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. I'm a street breaker. I'm a heartbreaker. This is my dawn. Hello, everybody, and welcome. To another episode of A Shot of Wrestling. I am your host at Michael J. Putty, and uh, joining us from Cloud Nine, Hollywood Mark Schwan. Mark, congratulations. You guys signed an elite quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback. The Jets might have a shot if there's a season this year for third place. Such a day. <laughs> Joe Flacco, yes, you're actually right. He is, he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but uh, you know, when you're dealing with stuff, going to be the backup. If he could even play uh, week one out. As of right now, as what I heard, he's not even going to be clear to play week one. Already. <laughs> uh, speaking of elite champions, welcome back, uh, Eric, Jaden. Two weeks in a row, buddy. How you been? I've been very good, man. I'm excited, man. Third man in the group. Looking Let's sharp. do Looking this. Sharp today. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I had to cut the same scruff out, so I'll grow back. Yeah, it will. It will. It's, it's weird. It doesn't feel like we have the same Eric Jaden. It feels like we have a different third man today. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> like Eric Draven. Oh, God, no. That guy's been buried a long time ago. <laughs> Go to another end of a week. How you guys been? How's your weeks? You guys still trucking through? Almost over. Almost about to open up. Life's about to return to what? normal somewhat. All right. Yeah, Long Island. Long Island apparently might be opening up next week. Uh, New York City is in line to open up uh, in June, early June. Uh, you know, phase one. We're looking good here. We're looking good. So I'm feeling positive. Yeah, I've been keeping busy myself, getting ready to go back out there to the real world again. So I'm pumped. Eric shaking his head. No, I don't. Sorry, guys. Phase one is phase one. Unfortunately, for our business, us, wrestling, we're all the way in phase four. So I think that's a long way to go. Jaden, I agree with you. I I think right now you have to take your victories when they come. Progress is, is, is key. You know, we've been staying stagnant, um, actually less than stagnant for a long time. You know, so like, you know, the fact is that we're seeing a little glimmer of hope right there. I, I'm holding on to that. And I think that's a great thing. Uh, you know, phase two can come earlier, can come later. But who knows? Right now we're seeing phase one. That, that's the first step right there in, in many steps. We haven't seen any of that in a while. I agree with you. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, that commentary comes from Mark Cuomo, the stepbrother <laughs> of Mario Cuomo. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Local, local wow. commentary. Great. <laughs> you know what? I mean, Cuomo's considered the sexiest guy in New York right now, so if I can get some of that going, then good. <laughs> now, I don't know what phase like barbershops are in, but as soon as they open up, I'm going to take my time. I'm not in a rush to go out when things start opening up. I'm going to take my time, let those idiots who hoarded the toilet paper get things out. If they get sick again, I'm going to stay home. That's that's going to be me. That's good. I need... Yeah. Swan and only needs a haircut right now, man. He's he's looking pretty bad right now. <laughs> oh, Didn't your wife do it? Doesn't your wife give you haircuts? Haircuts? She gave me one haircut, buddy, and her head was trembling the whole time. I'm lucky I came out with both ears. That's rough. All right, gentlemen. Uh, glad to see you both back. You ready to get into some news? Hell yeah. Let's do, let's it. do it up. It's 
time for In the News with Michael J. Putty and Mark Schwab. Actually, I'm going to start with uh, some sad news this week. Over the weekend, Shad Gaspar passed away. We know the story right now. I have all the facts. I have all the statements. But we know the story by now. What happened? He tragically died. Drowned, saving his son. Um, what, was your, what was your reaction when you first heard about this? Eric, I know you have kids. Like, I saw, Can you envision what he was going through? Yeah, I, I definitely can. It, it was very tragic. Very tragic. Um, it, I uh, I live by the beach. I lived by the beach pretty much all my whole life. Uh, you know, always always been a little beach, you know, big beach bum. I have surf. I have bodyboard. So you know, I have lifeguarded in the past also. So it's it, I know how it is. Like I get, I gotta understand. Like you know, he got caught up rip currents, stuff like that. We we've, we've done many rescues, and it's it's not it's not easy. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Even lifeguards have a lot of tough time going out there when you're trying to rescue somebody. It's not easy. As a father myself, I really feel for his kid. Yeah. Because yeah, because now you have a young boy, you know, without a father. Old. Ten years old, I think. Yeah. yeah. Ten years old, and uh, you know, and his father was his idol. You know, yeah. has his poster on his thing, his 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 all his wrestling stuff, and it's traumatic and then i feel for it because it's like if i i often thought like what if i pass away what might you know what would happen to my daughters and uh i'm confident there's a very solid family support there so they'll be they'll be taken care of and uh it's just a sucky way to go i'll be honest man that yeah. it's horrible any any passing is horrible but like in the water it's it, it's it's bad it really is and and i feel and i really feel for him seems like there's a lot of support from his family but also his wrestling family as yes. well everyone's Flooded Twitter and Instagram with tributes and memories of this guy. Yes. Um, he seems like a great guy, too. I didn't meet him directly. I sort of mm-hmm. encountered him at WrestleCon last year. I think yeah. I was with Naya, and she was talking to him, so I kind of was in his presence, but didn't yeah. talk to him. And uh, even then, he just smiling ear to ear, greeted everybody with a smile. Just seemed like a genuinely nice guy, and all these stories flooded in. It was true. Oh, no, he's a great guy. I mean, I, I actually got a chance to see them several times, and I got the chance to work him, actually, also. Really? So. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, had an awesome time in the ring. Great match. He nice, you know, t- nice old school heel versus face, mm-hmm. and it went over really good. Uh, in the back backstage, he was awesome. His partner was awesome, and uh, it's it's a tragedy, and it's a great loss, man. And I, re- you know, and I pray for his soul, and hope he's rest in peace. And Batista was talking about he wasn't too close with him, but he was so excited about his future in Hollywood. It, that was just taken off. I didn't know about that. He was an actor trying no, to break into I Hollywood, didn't, yeah. and he was had, had some several you know roles and some big roles coming up. And uh, cut down on tracing his dream. Socks. Uh, it, it is a damn shame. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if you remember this, but he died May 20th, the same day Macho Man Randy Savage was taken from us. So it's definitely a sad day for wrestling all around. Uh, Shad, obviously, you know, talented person, phenomenal as a, as a real-life person. I mean, you want to talk about a hero. The man died saving his son. And I believe what like a, a month or a few weeks before that, you know, he stopped the he stopped the robbery as well. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, the the man just had a heart of gold, and, and uh, you know, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again right here in the air. It's a shame because it always feels like the good ones are taken from us too soon. Unfortunately, I agree. So you know, thoughts and prayers to his family, and uh, rest in peace. In other news, last week I mentioned in the TV takedown how I really enjoyed Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan's match on SmackDown. Well, 24 hours later, we find out he's been let go and no longer part of the WWE. His contract has expired. Uh, he debuted in 2016 as part of the Cruiserweight Classic. So there's no 90-day no-compete clause because his contract expired. He wasn't released. Where do you guys see him ending up? Seems to be a hot free agent right now. Jugulak. I mean, 
listen, the guy is very talented in the ring, obviously. And, you know, it's great for him to have that, that one last match on yeah. SmackDown against Daniel Bryan. And obviously, I mean, we've, we've all talked about, you know, he put on a hell of a performance. It's a very solid match. And, you, you know, I mean, if, if that was your first time seeing Drew Gulak, uh, you know, then you have a very good impression on him. I think everyone knows who he is as far as the top promoters go. I think, uh, you know, once uh, business starts picking up again, I think you'll have no problem landing on his feet. Where he'll go, I, I think the world is his oyster at this point. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. I agree. I, anywhere. I, would yeah, say I agree just, also. Uh, I would say cruise the indies for a while, but we don't know when they're coming back. So uh, maybe he'll just maybe he'll resign with the WWE because he didn't leave on bad terms. His contract has expired. You know, and, and here's the thing, man. Uh, I want to add on to it. All these guys released, okay? Yeah. Where do you go? We're in a current stage of wrestling that actually wrestling is on pause, if you really think about it. No companies are really picking up any other talent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't go to Japan. You can't go to Canada. You can't go anywhere pretty much. So where do you go? What do you do when that's, this is your actual 100% livelihood? Uh, I, I, I've been privileged to, to see Drew Gulak back in the days in early CCW Combat Zone Wrestling and watch him come up. So I was very happy when he got signed. He's a great talent. He's a mechanic. I mean, in the ring there, whew, he could turn it up and he can go yeah, on there. So it's sad to see him go because wrestling does not have guys like him. Okay? We are lacking mechanics. We are lacking guys who can go in there and work and put somebody over or put themselves over and know how to do an actual match. And Drew knew that. If, well, yeah, if, I mean, yeah. going to, uh, you know, piggybacking off what you're saying, Eric, yeah. uh, I think actually this is actually a blessing for Drew Gulak in a way, uh, because, you know, Drew Gulak, his style and how he really shines doesn't necessarily fit WWE style, especially the main roster where he was. You know, I think right now, if you look at any other organization, I, I think no matter where he signs, the man is going to flourish and he's going to come out better than he was before in WWE. He just kind of started taking say, off in the WWE, too, because he was a nobody yeah. floundering in 205 Live. And then all of a sudden, he's given this role with Daniel Bryan. Had a great match at that pay-per-view elimination chamber, I believe. Had a great match now. Last week you can tell that storyline was already running its course, though. I mean, you can only go so far with that. Yeah, Drew Gulak, I really think, honestly, I mean, WWE just it was not for him. Yeah, I don't think that's something WWE is for every single competitor out there, especially if you work a certain style. If you can't be a... A character, per se. It's not knocking Drew Gulak. I think he's phenomenal in the ring, but you, know, if, if you can't be like that that bigger than life character because no one really, not no one really cares about wrestling. But if you're a, if you're a WWE fan, you're not necessarily looking strictly at in ring style. You're looking at storylines and character. Uh, Drew mm-hmm. Gulak. If you're looking at wrestling, if, if wrestling is your is your thing, you want to see good in ring competition. You're looking elsewhere. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. In a WWE, it's fifty percent work and fifty percent appearance. It's working your character. How you? How can you go out there and be this larger than life individual? But in Drew's case, honestly, I think he could find a home in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, that'd, that'd be a nice. good spot for him. Good fit. Yeah. That would be a very good spot. Or NWA, I think, as well, would be a good spot for him. I agree. We'll find out eventually if the world ever opens up again. In other news. WWE is reportedly starting to use the term wrestling more often on their weekly television program. The word was banned by Vince McMahon, but the move to unban it reportedly is being pushed by Paul Heyman, and he's getting McMahon to ease up on it, as we see now with them using wrestlers and wrestling more often, especially with the Randy Orton Edge angle. How do you guys feel about them banning these words? Like, there's a whole list of words that are banned in the WWE, and I just don't, I never understood that. I never really understood it either. You know, especially the word wrestling. Wrestling, it, it, it's in your name, world 
wrestling yeah. entertainment. Exactly. How are you going to ban one of your key words in your name, the name mm-hmm. of the company? I think that's ridiculous. You know, bring that word back, highlight it, because at the end of the day, that's the product. It's wrestling. When I first heard about this, exactly. it reminded me of that classic Joey Styles shoot promo that he cut on Raw when he quit Raw. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. That was a long time ago, yeah, right? Wow. And, I, and I get it. You want to call them superstars because WWE is the creme de la crop. You know, you, you want them to be larger than life and be more than just a regular wrestler. They're superstars. I get that to a degree. But you know what? At the end of the day, they are wrestlers. And, you know, if you want to highlight wrestling matches or a person that is like that is maybe even their gimmick that they're a wrestler uh you know what then then let's talk about it let's not hide it yeah i agree 100 percent. i mean i would look at people's uh let's say facebook uh profiles a lot of the workers and some put some people put, put a wrestler some people put pro wrestler yeah. some people put sports entertainer on there at the end of the day this whole business is sent about wrestling it's a combat of two individuals who fight to see who's going to win. And the ultimate goal is to chase after either the world championship or tag team championship or a middle belt to take to like Vince. I think, I mean, I mean it's, it's stupid. It really is. War wrestling entertainment. Like you said, Mark, it's there. Why would you ban their name? Right. You freaking logo, your name. It's war wrestling entertainment. If, so if it makes sense. Yeah. Are you going to say world beep entertainment? Like, no. <laughs> well, a couple, I think a couple years ago, they even stopped referring themselves as world wrestling entertainment. They strictly are WWE. Like KFC. Oh, so it's like KFC. Yeah, like KFC <laughs> dropped everything. It's just KFC. They're just oh, WWE. Okay. So there's not even wrestling anymore. I think, uh, was it last year they just brought back the word title or strap? No, I'm sorry, belt. It was belt that they banned. Right, because Becky, two belts. And they That's why. That back. Becky Lynch, right. Listen, I, I understand why they ban certain words because, you know, listen, WWE is a publicly traded company. So there are certain words that they will probably have to ban. Uh, you know, I like, for example, with War Machine, when they came up to the main roster, uh, you know, like, I almost understood it. You know, it's like the word war could be a trigger word, especially even Killer Cross coming into WWE now. You know, they want to get rid of Killer. Uh, you know, if, if Satsujin Squad was picked up, they would get rid of Satsujin and call it something else because Satsujin stands for murder. Yeah, that it, makes it, sense. It's, it, it makes sense Wrestling because you're a publicly belt. traded company, but, you know, to. to, to with these words belt and wrestling and that's just nonsense. Well, let me ask a question guys, right? Do any attitude error was the WWE a public trade company? Nope. It was not. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Just that was in the early 2000s, I believe, right? I think it was after I when it was, but during the, during the, the, the height of the attitude error, no, it was not. I think it was uh, after they bought company. WCW. Yeah. Sometimes after 2001. So, some, some, sometime after that. But, you know, I mean, that's the difference. And, you know, is it unfortunate? Yes, because Attitude Era, I loved it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, times have changed, and I understand, you know, WWE, quote, quote, sold out. You know, I mean, let's face facts, they kind of did. So, you know, now you have to appease, you know, the, the, the sponsors and, and, um, and, and the, the, the traders and, and all that. You have, to, you, have to, you have to appease everyone, the board. But at the end of the day, you know, you can still – you can still make it funny. You can still make it interesting instead of, you know, watering everything down and it's just banned some silly words like this belt and wrestling you know, stuff that like, you know, is true to the business itself. It's just yes. silly. Listen, at the end of the day, Vinnie Max a maniac. So thanks. You know, the news, the note hearts in the news this week on the cusp of his 21st anniversary of his passing. Unfortunately, Martha Hart did an interview with CBS news 
talking about the Hall of Fame and Owen Hart and Vince McMahon and her relationship with the company, their lawsuits, yada, yada, yada. But specifically, we're talking about the Hall of Fame. She said, and I quote, their Hall of Fame, they don't have a hallway of fame. It doesn't exist. There's nothing. It's a fake entity. There's nothing real or tangible. It's just an event they have to make money. They put it on TV to, and have a celebration. It's just so ridiculous. I would never even entertain it. It's garbage. And her son, Oge, reiterated her statement saying, I would never let the W put his name on a piece of silver and say that they got that. Now, are they being bitter or do, do you think they have a point and you side with them here? No, they're not. Definitely not being bitter. No, I agree. They, okay, where is the WWE Hall of Fame located? Oh, exactly, I'm... crickets. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Where? Nobody knows. It's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooper, Cooperstown, New York. You can go visit it. You can go see stuff. There, there was also no Baseball exist. Hall of Fame when they started either. There, there was... I get it, but so... how long have we been doing this, uh, Michael J? How long have we been doing the Hall of Fame already? Uh, big, bigly, sort of, uh, fifteen years now. Okay, they really, so- they really are missing out on something there. Yeah. I mean, if WWE were to open up a Hall of Fame, uh, I was going to say tomorrow, but obviously no one's going to go yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> but you know what I mean. If, if, they, if WWE were to open up a Hall of Fame when this is all said and done, I people are definitely going to go. But I don't think because you know, I don't think that's you her don't point. Think so? I don't. I mean, I, I do, but I don't think that's her point. I think that they had no, a that's not Hall of her fame. point. She was still yeah, not. She yeah. thinks it's, she she thinks it's fake. You know, yeah. but you know, then you can look at the NFL. Then you know, when they when they nominate people in the Hall of Fame, you know, there's definitely politics involved. There's there, there's money to be made there. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of like the same thing. I agree. Hey, it's the same thing on there. Listen, at the end of the day, is a good thing to bring somebody and acknowledge their professional career and what they've done for the business on there. But I have my I have very strong opinions about that. I, I believe that Owen Hart should have never been up there. I believe that uh, Vince, because again, he is a maniac in a sense, and he pushed this way too hard, you know. And he just to cut, I guess, was three seconds. They had they kind of. They did something. They gimmicked the 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 uh, the rod he was in the, the the whole holster thing, and that cost his life. That cost the man's life. Again, we're just talking about you know one of the prime time members passing away. You know, if somebody's dead, that means that you lost a brother, you lost a sister, you love a mother. You, somebody's missing, and that just doesn't. It doesn't. It should not happen. You understand, guys? In a, in a in a in a in a world of our business, sports entertainment. Yes, accidents can happen. I think an accident that capacity should have never happened. Sorry. I have a question to pose to you guys, actually, regarding this, if we're going to be on the subject of Owen Hart. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know there, there was a special that was played recently uh, regarding his death. How do you guys feel about Kevin Dunn's role with this, with Jim Ross? When Jim Ross asks, you know, what's going on, he's dead, going in 10, 9, 8, I want to hear your thoughts because I have, I have conflicting thoughts about this. So I, I want to hear both of you guys' opinion. Uh, want to go first, Michael J? Um, I didn't watch that show. I just wasn't in the mood to be depressed even more than I am right now with everything going on. So um, I've watched everything there is to watch about Owen Hart and that night except that show. So I know basically most of what happened except his wife's point of view, I guess. Um, that I see what they meant to do with the, the show must go on. You know, Owen would want the show to go on. And they did a fantastic job with it. But when I don't know how they composed themselves when they said uh, in that ear, Owen's dead, go. Uh, just yeah. how professional they are. They had to keep their composure. They, they understood business is business. The show had to go on. There's only one match left, I think, or maybe two matches left. It's a slippery slope. I get it. Would I have done it differently? I can't say. I'm not in that position. Eric? You know, I, uh, I'm conflicted like you, Mark, about it. You know what I'm saying? Being in the business, I understand that you've got to keep the show going and everything going on. 
Uh, I know at the time, you know, people knew that he fell. Okay, they saw it. You know, what I'm saying he knew he was being treated. And then I guess to minimize the experience of fans or the trauma the fans, you know, saw, because that's it is traumatic, they just kept the show ongoing. Would I have gone like oh if I was in Gorilla and I would have said, Okay, GR, he's dead, get over it. Five, four, three. No, you don't do that. You don't yeah. do that. No. He said get yeah. over it. He didn't say get over. No, he didn't say he didn't say get over. Yeah. He said he's dead. Going live at ten. Nah, he counted him down like right yeah, off the, I, right away after seeing he's dead. No, without yeah, missing he, a beat. And I know he was probably just trying to keep Jr. You know, online. But Jr. a professional man. And he knows. And man, again, here we go again. A man died right. for crying out loud. Where's the dignity? Where's a, where's some some sort of dignity? And I'm with you, uh, Mark. I'm conflicted. I yeah. just don't think that should have never been said from Gorilla to a jr so here's here's my take on it i mean i'm conflicted because you know right off the bat when you hear that it's like oh my god what a scumbag kevin dunn is you know how, how can kevin do that how can he even still be employed in wwe that's just a scumbag thing to do if i'm jim ross i'm gonna knock this motherfucker out right that's that's what you think right away when you hear that but then i think you know i produce you know, i've i've done live shows and i'm thinking if i'm kevin dunn you know what what would i do you know, like it's not necessarily my call to stop everything, to halt the presses, to stop the show. This it's it's done, and that's not my call to make. I can maybe voice that opinion, but at the end of the day, it's not my call. Mm-hmm. So we don't necessarily know what what Kevin Dunn was thinking at that point. You know, so of course, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's Vince's call. So Vince wants to keep the show going. We're going to keep the show going. So Jim Ross asked, "What's going on?" I maybe would have not said anything to Jim Ross if I'm thinking about it. I maybe would have just. I agree. Hey, man, we don't know yet. Uh, we're going live, though. Please, I'll keep you, you updated. I'll keep you updated. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe say, are you good? Are you okay? Let's we'll try muscle through this together, man. And give some words of encouragement instead. And I, I hate to say that to withhold information, but, you know, for the sake of the, if we have to keep the show going, you know, hey, we all know we're all brotherhood back there. And Owen Hart was beloved by everyone from what it sounds like. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you just gotta. Sometimes you may have to withhold the truth there. And at a certain point, I don't necessarily know if I've done it the way Kevin Dunn did. I understand it as, as much as it pains me to say. I understand why Kevin Dunn, Dunn uh, why Kevin Dunn did what he did. I just would have approached it very differently. Yeah, I agree. Moving on, in other news, Brick Flair's contract with WWE expired at the end of 2019. With some speculating he might not resign, being that he was selling his own merchandise at RickFlairShop.com. Good stuff over there. Definitely go check it out. But he announced this week he has officially signed a new contract with the WWE. Showed a picture of the contract along with that beautiful bronze statue, beautiful air quotes. Um, now at this stage in the career, I think all the support WWE has given him, this is no surprise, right? Especially with Charlotte there. There's nowhere else for him to go. He wasn't going anywhere else. No. I mean, I, I don't even know why we're even asking that question. It's no surprise at all. You know, Ric Flair is very happy there with WWE. He's good friends with Vince. He's good friends with everyone back there. And yeah, as you just said, his daughter's there. So why would he go anywhere? Well, but better yet, Triple H is there. And Triple H, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Triple H loves Ric Flair. So Ric Flair is going to have a job for life as long as Triple H is there. And that's it. What else, what, what else can you say? He let him go once to uh, TNA, and I think Ric Flair regrets that. So I don't think he's going to go anywhere else anytime soon. He's not going nowhere. No. Another news, Mark. It's been a couple of weeks. You ready to talk about my favorite subject? The XFL's creditors seem to believe that Vincent Mann may be trying to buy his old football league out of bankruptcy corp. According to a report from The Athletic, oh the leak shut down, filed Chapter 11, Bangor State, Delaware Court, back in early April. 
Uh, one team official who passed on tips to St. Louis and Seattle to the Athletics saying they have been inquiring about leases on those stadiums. A committee of unsecured creditors objected to Alpha's Entertainment proposal to pay $3.5 million to refund season ticket holders. And they wonder why XFL headquarters was across the street from WWE headquarters and why their president is still drawing salary. A spokesperson said the response to this filing will speak for itself. Mark, can we see the XFL come back for season three? Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, Vince McMahon, like, you know, there's reports that he's taking a play uh, from from Donald Trump's playbook here. I, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 I guess, you know, XFL was doing better their second to go at it. it just I think they would have still kept going if it wasn't what happened with COVID-19. Yeah. You know, very fortunate with the timing. You know, again, I, I said it before and I say it again, you know, it's a startup company. If something like this happens, you're forced to shut down. And unfortunately, it's unlikely you're going to open up again. But Vince McMahon, he's finding loopholes. He's a smart businessman. He may find a way. So I actually uh, never say never. I won't be surprised if we see a third season somehow, some way for XFL, even though I think it should be dead as anything. Don't throw away my jersey Ooh. just yet. That's what I got from that conversation. Awesome. Can't wait. Got to oh, keep man. hope alive. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Listen, well okay. All right, I'll say this. Rince, yeah, Rince is a shrewd businessman. Would I He's like stubborn. To see, uh, and he is, he is. And would I like to see the XFL come back? Only one reason, okay, Mark, you might hate me for this. It's because it came back, okay? They learned their lessons, you know, from the first season. It came back and... It never, we never, it never got a chance to prove itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just started, and Colbert killed it. So if Vince brings it back, right, and we go finish off the season or whatever, then we can, I guess, give it a letter grade. For now, uh, I you know, know what? I, I'm going to relate this to. I feel like we yeah. got a very good trailer to a movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that we had very low expectations for. Like, oh wow, that looks really good. But now like, the push, the, the release date has been pushed back until we don't know when. I, I mm-hmm. think that's what we're experiencing here with XFL. So, Mark, get ready. Uh, More XFL news coming up. Mark, your favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, we've seen we've seen a pandemic. We've seen murder hornets. Hornets. Uh, we've seen UFOs. Now we're getting a possibility of a parallel universe. So why not a third time for XFL, right? Finally, in other news, all the negative and all this darkness in the world. Let's end on some positive, happy news. Impact stars Kimberly and Zachary once got married this week. Ooh, Congratulations right. to them. Couple. Look beautiful and very happy, so congratulations to them. Yes, absolutely. Cheers to them. Holding up my Jets mug, saying congratulations. Ooh, that's bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wow. So what's up? Uh, Listen, congrats, Kimberly. Congrats. Last time I saw her was at the Queen of the North tournament for Brie Combination Wrestling, uh, and she's an awesome performer, and I'm, I'm very happy for her. Yeah, likewise. Very happy for her as well. Speaking of Impact Superstars, Mark, we, we have an interview this week. Yes, we do. Uh, so he started his training at the age of 17 with the Wild Samoans. He's ranked number 243 on the PWI 500 list. He is the second youngest X-Division champion, and now he is in the tournament to find the number one contender for the Impact World Championship held by Tessa Blanchard. He has done more in his young career than MJP has done in his lifetime. He is the <laughs> one true ace, Ace Austin. Abel, take it away. If you're ready and willing, I'm Abel, and welcome to another exciting edition of Shot of Wrestling, the interviews. 
If you're not done so already, make sure you follow us on all forms of social media at Shot of Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also contact us via email at inbox at shotofwrestling.com or dial it up 619-343-3005 and leave your comments on the Shot of Wrestling hotline. Now we say it time and time again that wrestling brings us together and today is no different. Today we are joined by the one true ace, Ace Austin. Welcome to Shot of Wrestling. Hello. Hello, hello. Now it's been a while since we've been in contact. We've been wanting to get you on the show for a few months now and crazy to think that a few months would totally change the conversation because when we were looking to meet up you had just won the x division championship yeah over definitely over over six months ago yeah yeah no i'm a i was a i was quite the busy man before this all started i i i've only been in this business for five years now but in those five years i have never had this much time on my hands ever and i'm sure it's the same you know for a lot of people a lot of people that we've talked to have mentioned that this pandemic has given their bodies well-needed rest and, and ability to recuperate. Now, you're a younger guy. Do you feel like this pandemic has also given you the time and your body to rest? Did you need that time? Well, I'm sure I did. For, for me, it's a mental game for me. It's something that I kind of like embedded in myself long before I was even a wrestler. I knew that to become what I wanted to be, to achieve my dreams, I was going to have to you know, be a different beast. So for me, it's like if I can tell myself that there's a clear you know, reason for doing something that'll benefit wrestling, like becoming a wrestler or bettering my, my, you know, my body, my health, uh, I kind of just can do that and not even think about it. Just turn, my, you know, turn it off and just, just do what you got to do. But um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm sure that my body definitely needed the rest. I didn't feel like I needed a break or anything. I wasn't mm-hmm. feeling run down or whatever i was i mean i was feeling a little overwhelmed and stressed out with like my schedule and stuff i gotta do but that's just how it is uh when you're at the top you know it's it, where does that I, trust I mean, come from is it balancing you know the travel or is it was I mean, it... it's everything it's everything there's there's so many little things you, you can't ignore the, the changing of the tides that are that are always going on you've mm-hmm. got to be able to constantly update and improve yourself while also working this crazy, ridiculous, rigorous schedule. You know, you're trying to focus on the things, you, the, the the dates you got coming up, the travel you got to do. You got to pack for everything. You got to make sure you're ready for it. You got to just, you know, at the same time, you got to be coming up with ideas all the time, always. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that that's just kind of where that always came from for me, and uh, and I'm sure, and environments too. Like depending on where you're, uh, who you're working for, or where you're at, I'm sure that the environment that you're in can add to the stress. The mm-hmm. impact locker room is is not that way at all. We're all very cohesive unit. It's great there. Who would you say but, made uh, the biggest impression on you uh, when you first entered the impact locker room? Ooh, uh, I mean, I knew a lot of those guys before I before I got signed because. I had been working closely with them, you know, to, to kind of get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say Sammy Callahan by far. He's had the biggest impression on my career kind of as a whole, not even just with Impact. Yeah. And, and we've mentioned before, and if anybody's heard you on any other podcast, you know, you started training at 17. You signed with yeah. Impact the age of 21, and you're one of the youngest X Division champions at the age. Second youngest. Second youngest. Part. Yeah. I mean, next to Amazing Red, what what better person to be in that category with? Yeah, I think he was like he was like six or nine months ahead of me, like age or, or like before me, age wise. Yeah, you have accomplished so much at such a young age. 
that many wish they could accomplish in like their tenure of wrestling. What do you attribute that success to? I, I truly feel like I, I hardwired myself as a as a young you know young man. You know, I didn't have a lot of uh, stru- like like structure family wise or anything like that when I was growing up. I didn't have like uh, family responsibilities or mm-hmm. like people telling me what I had, what I could and couldn't do, you know, stuff like that. So um, I was able to kind of decide what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be, and I was able to just execute that. That's kind of how it's always been my whole life. I was able to just kind of I had to learn kind of on the go on my own. My grandmother was a saving grace for me. My grandmother taught me a lot of things. Uh, that that I needed to know. Was she a wrestling yeah. fan? Yeah, my my whole my whole family ha- has been wrestling fans. But my first memory of like really like being impacted by wrestling was when I was like four, when I was four years old. I I've, I just remember flipping through the channels. I shared a room with one of my older brothers at the time, and uh, I just remember coming across the channel and seeing Shawn Michaels come off the top rope. And I just remember like from that moment on, the decision was made. Like that, yeah. that that's I feel like that's when my life began. You know. Um, was was from that moment growing up with siblings <laughs> as, as a wrestling fan you had to play wrestling right oh yeah well so like <laughs> it, it um it, uh, it escalated you know when we were young when we were young we wrestled with our pillows just with, with the pillow we pretended okay. it was a person and we'd have wrestling matches with our pillows in the living room and uh, we actually built tables we'd drag our mattress out of our bedroom and we'd put it between two dining room chairs oh we'd, and we'd use those we'd pretend those were tables we'd jump off the couch I did a swanton bomb one time and just smacked my face right into the side of the chair. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then as we got a little bit older, we got these like plush, almost like full size figures from Hershey Park of like the different Hershey Park characters, like the chocolate bar man and the Reese's Puff Man and whatever. Um, and they had like arms and legs, these big plush things. Yeah. Um, and I was pretty. I was always very short uh, growing up. So it was like almost as tall as I was. So we started, we started wrestling with those because they had arms and legs. And then we eventually started wrestling with each other, of course. And that's, you know, it got out of hand. How many siblings did you have? Uh, five. Or I think there's five of us total. What a big um, family. Yeah, it was me. I had three brothers and a sister. Like, it, you know, it might, it might sound a little bit big-headed of me to say, but I always felt like I was destined for greater things, you know? Okay. I was always very uh, ready to break out of that, that shell. Every, and I feel like the people around me knew that too. That's kind of how I, it was the aura that was, that was around me. It was just like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be around for long. Mm. I was always, I, I was going to take off at some point and, and uh, do something with myself. Did you grow uh, up in a small town? Oh, very small. Berks mm. County, Pennsylvania. Uh, just, you know, I, I can't tell you a population number or anything, but it was just a, uh, it wasn't like huge, you know, nobody was huge wrestling fans or anything either. So like that was a very isolated kind of like fandom growing up. It wasn't like uh, that was a popular thing around, around, uh, you know, the other kids at school or, or anything. Um, Are there any life events of you growing up? Cause you mentioned early age, four years old to know that you wanted to be a pro wrestler. Were there any other live events that contributed to making you the man you are today? That's such a broad question. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, everything. I, I, I have lived my life since I was four years old with being a professional wrestler in mind. So it's impacted every decision I've ever made. It's, it's impacted everything I've ever done. And it's like I said, I, I never had a, like a structure or anything. I didn't have anybody making plans for me. So the plan was always wrestling. It was never like, oh, my parents want me to go to college first, so I have to you know, do this, and I, I have to plan around doing things that other people are telling me to do. It was never like that. So everything has been 
with wrestling in mind and that's it. So like I didn't uh, chase down, you know, high academics in, in high school or anything. I just picked things that that seemed like they would be fun and that I could deal with until it was time for me to get out of school. Yeah. You know, and uh, that led to a lot of really cool little side like talents that I was able to do, like doing musical theater. I took uh, these television production classes that taught me a lot about being in front of and behind the camera. Um uh, we had a great, we had a great graphic design program in my high school, uh, mm-hmm. so I learned how to like silk screen print uh, on like t-shirts and garments and all that. Uh, I learned about I learned how to use some offset printing presses and just print like like paper goods and paperwork. Uh, we even did some glassware stuff. It was wow. great. Um, so uh, yeah, I took like you know general business classes that might teach me something. Uh, yeah, any any like elective class that I was allowed to choose from was kind of just like fair game uh, just just anything that would were you uh, a good student growing up i mean i wasn't like bad by any means but i was definitely english was my best subject math was my worst i couldn't get it done with math i needed a mm. lot of help with that and uh thank you know thank goodness for my grandmother she was always right by my side making sure uh, i made it through. <laughs> yeah i was i was like real interested in english so it wasn't that difficult for me you know kind of get that work done but it was just a lot of tedious stuff that i didn't uh you know it didn't really like you know touch my soul i was just like it was so it's such a drag for me to do it but i didn't make trouble for nobody i didn't uh i wasn't like almost failing out or anything i just you know i rode the line i didn't i didn't really care about the grade as long as it was passing yeah and you mentioned musical theater so is that a hidden talent are you a good singer yeah yeah if you went to do karaoke what would be your go-to karaoke song Oh my go-to karaoke song! I listen to a lot of strange music, so picking a karaoke song would have to be like I'd have to prepare for that. Honestly, I don't a lot of songs. <laughs> I, a lot of songs I like probably wouldn't be on a karaoke box. What kind of songs do you like? It's usually like I, I have definitely a huge variety of music, especially from growing up with uh, my different siblings mm-hmm. uh, and and their influence. Uh, Guns and Roses is my is my favorite kind Fuck of yeah. by far. Uh, that was uh, my brother Mark was a uh, huge huge into Guns N' Roses and uh, that was that was one of the things I just remember I, I could never get tired of listening to was Guns yeah. N' Roses. Um, Me too. And then he listened to a lot of like Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst, kind of like really, you know, out there music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and like the, the groups of friends that I would, you know, shift around between, it was always very different musical tastes in that sense. Uh, and then getting into musical theater and, and the show tunes is, is, is great. Um, <laughs> I got a job at Hot Topic when I was 14 years old, and that was a, that was a whole other you know beast too. It was just like such a different variety of music from everybody that came in there. So I like to think uh, I'm I'm not 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 huge into country or uh, like you know trap music, uh-huh. anything that's like a little too extreme. But uh, I like to give everything a chance. Of course. Now, obviously, we uh, we talked about you being very young in the business. Um, but you're essentially growing up in a business, like thinking about the milestones that we mentioned earlier, like at that age, I was doing something completely different. Do you feel like you've sacrificed anything of like you growing up to be a professional wrestler? 100% in every way. I'm molded by this in a huge way. And, and that's something that uh, I know that I'm noticing all the time, mm. um, uh, just personally. Like, you know, I, we've been talking about how it was, you know, when I was younger, uh, I got a job at 14 because I, I just I needed a sense of independence and I and I need I just I didn't feel like I could rely on a lot of people in my life so I needed this you know so I, I managed to get a job at Hot Topic when I was 14 and uh, I held that job all the way through and uh, that's a side hustle I keep going once a week now Hot Topic is, Still. Worked, has worked, 
yeah, Hot Topic has worked with my schedule. Like, just they've let me do whatever I needed to do. They've been nothing but supportive towards my endeavors. It's it's an easy gig. I I go into this. I get to go into the store like once a week and just do my thing. It's a good uh, dose of reality too. Yeah. Like once you know, once a week I get to take myself out of the wrestling bubble mm-hmm. and just kind of hang out with people that don't know anything about it. And you know, it's nice. Um, Have you ever been but, recognized uh, while you were working? Oh yeah, that happens. That happens just more and more uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I got that job when I was 14 and then, um, right before I turned 18, uh, I I got, to, I moved in with my grandmother to live with just, you know, me and her. And then, um, I started training at 17, you know, like we were talking about when I was uh, 16, we had to start planning for our senior project to graduate high school. You had to do this like big project at the end. And, uh, uh, you had to, there was all this criteria for the project. You had to visit, uh, at a location and interview people and take all these pictures and all this stuff and write a paper about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I figured I would take a, I would take you know two birds with one stone. And when I set this whole thing up to do this senior to do my senior project for wrestling, I asked Samu, the the great Samu, directly head shrinker Samu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to him on the phone, setting the thing up, and I asked him directly. I was like, "What age do you start training?" And he said, "We do 17 with parental consent." You know, that's like it was like a Pennsylvania law thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, ironically, I turned 17 the day before this event that we were setting up. The event was March 1st, 2014. Afa, the Wild Simone, was coming up from Florida to you know do to be part of this event and to do a uh, seminar, which I got to be a part of, which was incredible. So my first experience with any kind of independent wrestling was that day. It was the day after my was the day after my 17th birthday. Uh, I got to get in the ring and roll around a little bit. I got to hang out with you know some of the Samoan dynasty you know wow. like legends of the business yeah and uh, I got to sit in on a seminar with off of the wild Samoan that was that was my introduction into wrestling so it was uh, I started off as hot as I could as, as hot as I could in, in Pennsylvania that's for sure I think um, it gets early signings of what the rest of your future would hold yeah and it, it's <laughs> funny uh, it's funny I, I don't think I've talked about this much because uh, it, I, I never really comes up but in, we're talking now and it, I kind of remembered uh, I, I remember when I did that seminar, uh, everybody came up and shook off his hand afterwards, and and I was like I said, I was always very small until I until I finally got my growth spurt and, and hit the weights and, and picked you know picked it up. So at the time when I was 17, I was still a, a little on the smaller side, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked up to him and shook his hand, and he looked at me and he said, are you, I think he asked me how old I was, and I told him I was 17, yeah. and he said, Are you sure this is what you want to do? I said, Yeah, yeah, the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Okay, I'll see you there. Like I'll see you up there." Wow, and that was it. You know, he <laughs> kind of gave, gave me his blessing, and uh, from that day uh, forward, it was just uh, in Pennsylvania. I wasn't allowed to perform on a live show until I was eighteen. So I started training at seventeen, and I was ring ready in, in four months. Like I was ready to do matches in four months. So you ready to put wow, me? Wow, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, I'm t- I, when I when I say I went I went hard when I started. I mean like. I went as hard as I, it was like an hour and 15 minutes from my house twice mm-hmm. a week. I would drive there and back with my grandmother because I was only 17. So I right. only had a you know, driver's permit. I mm-hmm. couldn't drive by myself or anything. So my, my, my grandmother let me use her car for years and uh, she would go with me everywhere when I went, before I started traveling, you know, to different states and traveling the world and all that. And I would go training twice a week, every week. And I would just, anything you, you could, you could show me, I was just ready to do it. It was like no fear. Because like like I said, I, I was I, I wired myself for this. I, I told myself whatever it takes, 
is what you have to do. That's just the only way you can achieve anything. The only way you can live your dreams is if you do whatever it takes. Yeah. So I, I was ready for that. I made I made huge sacrifices, you know, huge personal sacrifices for everything, especially with like friendships and relationships and all that. Like wrestling was first and everybody knew that always in my life. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, then you weren't part of my life. Now, being with, student, with, with the Samoans training there, um, you know, they're very connected with the WWE. Was that your aspiration to take that road into it? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, when you train with the Samoans, you, it, it, you pretty much train with the WWE in mind. Mm-hmm. So I still didn't really even have a grasp on what independent wrestling was. You haven't even attended a independent wrestling show before you even started training. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that that is correct. Wow. Yeah, I'd never been to. Yeah, I didn't really know about the existence of uh, or the the power <laughs> or or the size of the independent wrestling community. And of course, it's grown since since then. Yeah, in a huge way. As um, a wrestling but, fan, though, did you attend any wrestling events, like any big WWE events when they came to town? Oh, yeah. So my mom, my mom worked for a radio station, and you know, tickets would come through for like prizes and stuff, and sometimes they wouldn't get claimed, or uh, there'd be like extras or whatever. And she'd always get to scoop them up and, and we'd That's get to awesome. go, you know, to like baseball games and like stuff like that. Uh, but whenever wrestling tickets would come through, she would, she would get the first pick because uh, she knew that her kids loved uh, or the her coworkers knew that her kids loved wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd been to some SmackDown shows. I, I was I was at a co- I even went to a couple SmackDown ECW shows back when they were doing that. They yeah. would do like the double, double tapings for them. Mm-hmm. The um, super shows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Um, so when you train with the Samoans, you know, you pretty much train with the WWE in mind. And, and growing up, WWE was like the only thing I was really exposed to. Like I said, there wasn't a huge wrestling community. There weren't like uh, people talking about different stuff. The only thing I knew about really was was WWE. And right. I, I think uh, as we were getting older, me and my brother, we discovered like TNA and stuff like that. But we didn't know a whole lot about it. So it wasn't like that wasn't something we really followed as religiously as the WWE, of course. So getting to go train with the Samoans was like perfect because, you know, in my head, the only thing I had in mind was WWE. So it was like, this is, this is it. This is the ticket. How do you view that ticket? How do you view WWE now that you're, you know, where you are and working for impact wrestling? I did a seminar with, uh, with William Regal at one point, uh, for, it was like an evolved seminar mm-hmm. tryout thing. And William Regal talked about his experiences before, uh, he was with, you know, WWE. And uh, it really inspired me in a lot of ways. Inspiration has been coming at me just constantly since I started this because, you know, like we've said, I've been, you know, growing and and molding just inside of this thing. Right. So he was talking about his experiences and, and how much there is, you know, out there. And he basically said, like, WWE is the top. So you got to decide, like, if, if all you want is, to, you know, WWE or if you want to be a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm you know, and impacted me. It's like, that was kind of like one of the, one of the moments where I really made the decision where it was like, I want to really experience professional wrestling for what it can be, mm-hmm. you know, for, for everything that it is right. before, you know, I get there in 2018, I had an opportunity with, uh, uh, WWE. I did the two Oh five live. Mm-hmm. And if I would have pursued that Avenue, I have zero doubt in my mind that I would have been signed by the WWE by the end of 2018. Wow. But I made a decision that, uh, I really, wanted to, you know, to, to grow and learn and continue. You know, I'm 20, I was 22 years old. I was, I was 21 years old at the time. There, I, there's, I got nothing but time on my side and I'm a patient, I'm a patient person. I, I've worked real hard and I've, 
been able to do a lot of things really fast. I have, you know, no doubt in my abilities. I have every bit of confidence in myself. And I know that whatever I want to do, I'm going to be able to achieve without a doubt. What does your future in Impact Wrestling hold? What are your goals? Well, X Division title came and went. Mm-hmm. You know, I already had a little, a little bit of a little bit of world title action with uh, when I when I was wor- working against Tessa Blanchard. So uh, I think there's no reason that I shouldn't go for the world title next. Right. That uh, I don't like to, com- you know, put myself up compared to anybody, you know, because I've always been, it's always been really important to me to be original and be authentic to myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the people that I have no doubt always wanted to kind of model my career after was uh, AJ Styles. Uh, The man completely shaped himself in one place and then kind of took over everything and then settled at the top where he wanted to go. And uh, he also set a new limitation, like broke the limitation uh, as far as age is concerned. You know? Oh, yeah. So back then, you know, age was something a lot of people considered when they were in the business. And now because of AJ Styles and other people who are really peaking, you know, in their 40s, that limitation's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's only Trailblazer. So and and then that's the kind of uh, that's kind of inspiration. Somebody like me really, you know, really speaks to me. One of the things we always talk about on the show is, you know, character work, because that's something that always catches captivates us as fans can you walk us through the evolution of your character uh so like uh the ace thing kind of came about when i was when i was real you know real little real little kid uh i just like i said starting at four years old and everything it was me and my brother always loved playing the video games so whenever i would create my character in the video games purple was my favorite color so i was always putting you know purple gear on him and stuff and Mm -hmm. whatever but now that i think about it i used to make my character's hair purple when I was like a kid creating the characters and I never really thought I would dye my hair completely purple, but here we are. Yeah. So then, so, so creating that, my characters in the game, I always, I always liked putting the tattoo on the shoulder of the, uh, like the ace cards. I don't know why that was like one of the preset tattoos that you found in the game. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And I'd always put it on my character's shoulder and I just started calling him, you know, ace. And, uh, originally when I, like my best friend at the time, when I was in whatever grade I was in, I got him into wrestling, and we had talked about being a tag team. So I was like, "Let's be a tag team. We'll we'll, we'll be the Ace of Spades, me and you. Yeah, and I'll be Ace, you know, and like whatever." Uh, so that's where the seed was planted, and the Ace thing just kind of stuck around uh, through my my whole life. And then when I had to start seriously thinking about it, I was like, "What what can I do to make this you know real now?" When I started training and everything, and I had to come up with all this. Uh, so I stuck with the Ace of Spades thing at the start. And uh, I still wanted to call myself Ace, and I, I call myself by like uh, my full name. I called myself Ace Austin Highly when I started, okay. uh, but it was it was too long. It didn't flow. Ace Austin flows a lot better, and it's just real easy alphabetically. Mm-hmm. With uh, going to training and stuff, my trainers, I, you know, I worked with them on you know coming up with things that would and maybe would not work. And yeah, it was just a always a, a very positive process. There's never I've never worked with anybody that was like you have to do it this way. Right. Okay. You know, it's you know, it's always good to, to collaborate. You know, like let me let me get the advice from people that are more experienced. But you know, it's important to always put your own spin on things. There's no way you're going to be you know original or speak to anybody if you're not. Where do you, you know, draw your inspiration them. from then? So I've always wanted to be a real life superhero. You know, so of course superheroes had a huge inspiration on uh, you know the, the the concept behind like the attitude, and uh, I knew that I didn't know anything about 
being a wrestler or, or what it actually was like or, or anything like that. You know, I, I can't say that I was just coming up with like ideas ahead of time because I didn't know what the criteria was. You know, I didn't know what it what it entailed. So it was kind of just like the video games were like the only thing I knew about creating a wrestler, you know? So honestly, I think video, video, video games, now that we're talking about it, uh, it's a discovery of mine. I think video games had a huge impact and I, maybe I don't give them enough credit for it <laughs> because yeah, like, like I said, I, I knew nothing about how to be a wrestler yet. I was just a kid. So creating a character in a video game is like, there's so many, there's so many games that like, as the generations have gone on, they get more elaborate and you do these, like you do these modes in the game where you're like a gen, where you're like a manager and you you make things happen and you can create storylines. And like, so that, that's probably where like a huge part of the influence came from was like being able to put myself into a video game and then like, see how things play out you know and that that kind of helped shape where all those ideas came from i always knew i wanted to be the ace and uh then from there it's kind of just like you just got to play off of what what you're involved in like what mm-hmm. your surroundings are that's yeah, kind of being that's like one of the things i've learned the most and creating your character that's part of the game as well like it would spend so many hours <laughs> sometimes more so creating characters than actually playing the matches you know playing out the matches <laughs> yeah when i create when i was creating myself especially like oh Everything had to be perfect. I had to change every little detail about how they looked. The move sets are so extraneous. Like I, you just sit there for hours having to change every little movement that this person makes to fit something that I would want to be like. And like, <laughs> I, I, I put all the man hours into that because like, you know, I didn't have nothing better to do yeah. until I became a wrestler. And like you said, uh, as the time progressed, there were more and more details. So more and more time got invested right. in that. <laughs> yeah. With video games, what what would you say is the best wrestling video game that ever was created? Probably No Mercy. I mean, No Mercy's like No Mercy's classic, some classic, classic yeah. stuff. Um, I loved the TNA game. I still have a copy of that uh, for like a old. I think it's PlayStation. It might be PlayStation Three. Outside of uh, wrestling video games, what other video games do you play, or did you play? Uh. Batman's my favorite superhero. So the Batman series, those games, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Those are my favorites. Uh, the Uncharted series. I like games that are that are uh, really like that are like single player, like long adventure stories. Mm-hmm. I like Just get really lost going, in it, right? Yeah, I like yeah. really going going through it with a with a with a character that that you get to you know play. This this quarantine thing is really you know there's been some more more video game time than I've really had in. A long, long time since since I was in high school. Before I trained, uh, I haven't played video games as much. Yeah, it's a silver um, lining. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's <laughs> nice to get nice to, to really take some time and do that. But uh, yeah, the Uncharted series is awesome. Uh, there's a game called Dishonored. There's a there's like three renditions of the game. I love that. Uh, that that game was really really cool when I played it. I'm into the Dead Rising series right now. I'm playing them. They're not my favorite, but I'm going through them. Is there anything that you're binge watching with the extra time at home? Uh, well, I, I of course watch Tiger King. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, and it's <laughs> Tiger King is similar to wrestling in some ways. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. there's just it's this the big cat world is this world that like has no rules and there's like no real policies about it, mm-hmm. but the people that like have the, the the most stock in them kind of try to make the rules, but then there's people that don't want to follow those rules and do their own thing with the big cats. So it's like there's just so many like little carny things that are like so similar to wrestling. And 
I think it's funny. Like they're just these these worlds that you can get lost in that the outside world has no idea is this crazy. <laughs> I've watched uh, I watched all the Star Wars movies. Um, yeah, I had never watched those before, so that was awesome. They're masterpieces. They really they're, are. They, yep. they really are. I had a great guide. Uh, in the Star Wars movies, <laughs> my 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 girlfriend really uh, really showed me the way. Was she was, like surprised that maybe you haven't watched the the Star Wars saga before? Yeah, you of course. Go- yeah. Oh yeah, of course she was. Of course she was. She she was mad. <laughs> she loves she loves them. So we watched those. Could have been a deal breaker. Uh, we're watching The Mandalorian right now. That's that's so far been a really incredible show. How are you able to to find time to find someone in wrestling with someone so focused? I wasn't interested in finding anyone because okay. I think like that's kind of an ill-fated pursuit, you know, mm-hmm. it'll let it happen. Play it as it lies, you know, fate kind of made it happen. And, uh, and that's the way I like it. You know, it, it happened by chance and, uh, it was very organic. And I think that that's important. There was nothing forced. There was no, none of that. Are you a romantic guy? I've always been. Yeah. What's the most romantic thing you've done? <laughs> I mean, we're talking different different generations of romance. I uh, I draped a banner off of a bridge one time to ask a girl to prom. That was cool. Um, and then uh, I I did some classic playing a song out the window sort of thing. Wow. <laughs> you know, John, John Cusack moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I'm pretty good at setting up moments. Mm-hmm. Me and my girlfriend have this thing with goats right now. That's really cute. Goats. Yeah, goats. How so? She once made a comment about goats in exchange for for her hand as like a joke. Mm-hmm. So goats became a themed gift, and now I just find really cute, cool ways to gift her goats. Oh, do you ever see yourself raising a goat? For uh, sure. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Baby goats are adorable. You mentioned earlier uh, about your tattoo. Uh, do you only have that one that we see on your shoulder, or is there others? Uh, no, I have uh, three of them now. Okay. I would like to have more, but really, yeah, they're addicting, man. So I have the one that everybody sees on my shoulder. That's the you know that's the themed one. That one came for a reason. I got a tattoo, like a little tattoo on the inside of my wrist, but that that gets covered up by wrist tape. I have a tattoo on my ankle uh, that uh, is obviously under my kick pads. And I have a tattoo on one of my, on my calf. And uh, two of those tattoos are Friday the 13th tattoos that I just, you know, went and got for a deal on the Friday the 13th thing mm-hmm. whenever they do that every year. Yeah, yeah. Or not every year, every time it happens. And then the one on the back of my calf is Yoshi. And that one actually happened because I had planned to get a different tattoo that day. But the night before, my girlfriend decided to tell me she didn't like the tattoo on the back of my hand idea. So I compromised. And got tattooed in the back of my calf because okay. we're gonna come we're gonna come back around to the tattoo on the back of the hand later. Oh, so. okay, sounds good, sounds good. Um, there are a lot of titles uh, that you uh, are associated with. Obviously, the X Division, which you unfortunately lost recently, but you in 2019 were ranked as the 243rd wrestler on the PWI 500. Uh, what are your yeah, thoughts was- about the list, first of all, and your ranking? I can't complain about my ranking because, like, I, I've never been like a a mark for myself to try to force myself onto the list. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you just got to let your work speak for yourself, which is what I've always done. So, like, I think it's pretty cool that I'm getting bumped on the list, but I don't take the list too seriously at all, man. Especially because you can basically buy into the list. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, oh man, 
we were talking about your girlfriend recently and, you know, we're big proponents that wrestling brings uh, people together. Is there anybody else in the business that you consider a friend or a mentor that you're grateful that wrestling brought into your life? Since the start, <laughs> the crew with the Samoans when I when I started, that was such a special thing because, like I said, I was 17, so I had to travel with my grandmother every month or every week. And uh, that made really special relationships like with my grandmother and then these students were helping shape me. That was that that's a really cool personal thing that I'll always hold, you know, near and dear to my heart was like the friendships that my that I got to watch my grandmother kind of make. You know, that was really that was really neat. But uh yeah, so like I spent, you know, like a year and a half with the Samoans, but somewhere inside of that year and a half, uh my tenth match, my tenth match ever, I have a list of them here. Okay. Tenth match was at the CZW Dojo Wars. So, like, the Combat Zone developmental program, I somehow landed a spot on the card <laughs> for that. It, ten matches in, and I did well enough that, I, you know, they, they wanted to work with me. So I mm -hmm. went back every week to learn from these, these people at Combat Zone, and that is what really opened me up to independent wrestling. I, I started with the Samoans, and then I started going to Jersey every week. So it was like I would do training with the Samoans on Tuesdays uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and then on Wednesday I would go to Blackwood, New Jersey, for the combat zone mm -hmm. and then i'd come back and do allentown pennsylvania again on thursday and uh it was crazy uh it was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth all the time especially when i was in high school because i still had to go to school the next day damn uh i did both for like a year and then i started spending some more time with combat zone because things were kind of really taking off and like and like i said it really it opened me up to totally new avenues and, I, and, and just things i was really interested in, in you know being a part of and, and trying so I met uh, David Starr. Uh, oh, actually, no. In between there, I spent some time in Hazleton, Pennsylvania with this guy, John Trotsky, and he uh, really helped me work on, like, portraying yourself as a character or shining mm. your light, as he used to say. He really mm -hmm. taught me a lot about shining my light and, you know, having some stage presence and whatnot. So then it was, like, Jersey for a while. Then I started spending more time out in Jersey because uh, I met David Starr, and uh, David Starr started taking me on the road with him uh, because he was getting around a lot uh, at that time and uh, traveled around with him for like a year or so. Then he started spending more time overseas and uh, I had traveled to the Midwest with him a few times and I had made relationships with people out in the Midwest. Okay. So when he started spending more time overseas, I used the relationships that I made in the Midwest to kind of continue that, that reach that I was having mm -hmm. uh, kind of all around. And then uh, I ended up moving out to the Midwest with Dave Christ. Moved into his house, spent a year or so there, and then I moved in with Sammy Callahan. I've been with Sammy for a little over a year now, and I'm about to get about to go on from here. Um, Are you currently roommates with uh, Sammy? Yes, I am. Oh, cool. Does he have any pet peeves that we need to know about? No, he's pretty fun. <laughs> Do you have any pet peeves? Sure, sure. I'm a I'm 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 a bit of a particular person. I'm very very neat, and as we know, Sammy's not very neat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, I can't complain. He's done a lot for me. You know, yeah. so. I, I, I feel like I'm one of those people I just I really feel like spending too much time in one place isn't good for you. It's just too there's too much of a bubble and you really need to just especially as a young wrestler. Like that's why I got so far so fast because I because I refuse to spend too much time in one spot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it feels like you learn early on the power of networking, you know, just jumping yeah, in the car. And, like, and that's and that's what on. it was. It, it was it was my my first two matches were with the Samoans. And then my third match, I jumped in the car with Samu's son, Lance. He was he had a booking in Pittsburgh. So I jumped in the car with Lance to go to Pittsburgh for this booking. 
uh, I made a good impression on that company. They were like, oh, bring him back whenever you, whenever Lance is booked now. Wow. So I would go back with Lance whenever he had those bookings. And then uh, another guy from the Samoans had bookings in Jersey. Uh, his name was Samuel Adams. He, he had bookings in Jersey. So and I always had a reliable car. So it was like, I was always like, you know, let's get in my car and, and, and I'll take you to the show and we'll do this thing. Yeah, just good impressions, good relationships. I, I just got around my my like fourth or fifth match was in Jersey then for uh, East Coast Pro Wrestling, and then um, I did those like four shows for a little for a, another loop, and then by my tenth match it was CCW Dojo Wars, and then uh, people were started watching when Dojo Wars was hot yeah. a lot. Uh, so I would get noticed by these other companies in Jersey from Dojo Wars, and then they would book me on their shows. And then some of the other guys from Dojo Wars, like I would always ask about shows that they'd be on, and I jump in the cars. And like I said, I always jumped around the cars with David Starr. So like it was like I said, constant movement. I'm, I'm telling you, in the last five years, I have just not stopped going, going, going. Like anything to benefit, and uh, and it has paid off. Yeah, you, pick, you picked up a few good miles. Who would you say is the uh, best person to have as a co-pilot in the car? Definitely my girlfriend. She's a champion on the road. <laughs> How does um, she keep you entertained? She sings. She's a great singer. Oh, yeah? And she lets me sleep sometimes. So. <laughs> there's, um. <laughs> there's a lot more uh, to uh, the career you are building outside of wrestling. You recently posted... Uh, your involvement in an upcoming series called Rise of the Hood. Can you give us more information on what, from what I see, this is an, ama an amazing opportunity. That's something I'm, I'm super excited about. Uh, ever since the, my musical theater days, you know, I've always been really interested in, in doing, and the television production days. Like, I got to make really cool films. And uh, like I said, I've always been into superheroes. So I've always wanted to be in a superhero film, naturally. Uh, and of course, I always saw myself as Batman, but... You know, that's just not how things work out. <laughs> that's just not, not realistic. If, if, Like I said, I geared my life towards wrestling. If I would have geared my life towards Batman, I'd be Batman in the movies right now. But I'm not. Uh, I wanted to be a wrestler, and that's what I became. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so acting is always like a, as a side project I've always been interested in. And uh, when my body can't do the wrestling thing anymore, I, you know, that's that's an avenue I'd love to you know stroll down. When this project came up, uh, Madman Fulton uh, had been – involved in the project or, or recruited to be involved or cast i should say is the proper word there and he had told me about it and gave me the contact information uh, i got in touch and did an audition for them and they liked it also gave them you know my background i've worked with professional stunt people before that guy in hazelton pennsylvania i was telling you about john trotsky one of my mentors he uh he's a legit professional stunt person like been in huge movies <laughs> that, that you've definitely seen mm. uh, so I got to work with him a little bit. He talked, you know, what I, I would always like, I would basically sleep there because the, the place that he ran would be like, was kind of far away from my house. So when I'd go to do like shows and work with him, I would kind of just crash and then continue on with my schedule the next day. It was, it always worked out really well. It was like, I'd go to his place on Fridays and then um, we'd do shows or we'd, or we'd work on stuff or whatever. And then uh, I'd get to go to whatever show I had next, the next day and then crash somewhere and then, you know, continue on the loop. Uh, I gave them my background of a little bit of stunt work. Uh, I've been practicing parkour since I was, you know, a young teenager. So, like, I'm, I'm capable of a lot of things. Absolutely, and, uh, we've seen it in the ring. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that that will be, you know, basic, basically stunt people. Yeah. So uh, they cast me for the project, and uh, we hopefully you know, can get started when this is all over. Hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll be getting started. But it's uh, it's really exciting. The the producers, Colony Four. I'm really excited to work with them. Uh, I've 
you can check out their pages on Instagram. They yeah. don't have uh, they don't have Twitters. Uh, Colony Four and Rise of the Hood are the two uh, pages. They had cast a lot of the the main characters for the story, and they were looking for the rest of us to do a lot of the stunt work. So <laughs> I'm super excited to, to really do that, and hopefully this is an avenue that will uh, you know open up even more that. Uh, opportunities you know going forward you know i was going to just say that as if your career so far has any indication on what this opportunity will come who knows where it will take you because you just seem to be right place right time and you have the talent to be able to carry it out is there i love that you said i love that you said that because that's that's another one of the things that i've i've always said was right place right time that's like been one of the huge benefactors of my career I've, I've always been able to put myself in the right place at the right time because i i refuse to stop moving you know if if, if something's popular or hot right now mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the center of it and and uh have my part in it so uh right place right time is a, is the <laughs> is the perfect way to say that that's, that's what i've always said i'm well, this is the right place, the right time to wrap up our, our, our time together. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A Shot of Wrestling. If we wanted to follow where you're going to be taking this acting career and this wrestling career, uh, can you give us a, a hint of your social medias? Absolutely. My Instagram and my Twitter are the same. It is at the underscore ace underscore Austin. I have a YouTube channel that uh, I hopefully will be updating soon. It's got a lot of old matches on it, and uh, you know my newer stuff is much more public now. But my my old stuff's on there. Uh, my YouTube is just Ace Austin as well. Um, subscribe to that. Let's see if you check out my if you check out my Instagram or my Twitter. I have link I have a link on there uh, at the top of my page for my link tree, and that that has my pro wrestling tea store. Uh, you can buy a collector's edition Ace card my impact merch anything anything the, all my links are on my link tree the the posters on there are pretty cool oh who, yeah who, who, did you design those yourself no no i've i've, I've been working with some great designers since the very beginning I, I i love getting some work from from different people uh those were designed oof, probably like three years ago now two or three years ago but they still hold up you know those those, those are I, I, the comic book aesthetic is something i've always really enjoyed yeah dig it i'm glad to have that kind of merchandise well brother thank you so much for joining us but stick around because we still have last call this is the one true ace ace austin please stay to the end of the episode for last call it's time for this week's TV takedown. Ace Austin has grown up in the business, and from the sound of it, he is a guy who will accomplish a lot more. We're rooting for you in the number of contenders tournament and break a leg in your upcoming series, Rise of the Hood. Sounds like it's going to be awesome, man. Awesome. Well done. We're coming off another great week of TV. Mark, your floor is yours. Okay. So... You know, I, I was actually a little bit conflicted coming into here with this. I, I, I always want to come into it like thinking, okay, what, what's the number one thing on my mind? Or what blew me away from TV? What stood out? And, you know, I, there are a few people that stood out to me, but I keep on going back to this one segment here. And, you know, I, I talk about them all the time. They're two vets that work together so well. I'm talking about the Edge, Randy Orton angle, that, that promo segment I thought was absolute fire. 
edge to like the passion that he brought to it, talking about like how he's going to accept the match and, and uh, what it meant to him and everything. Like it, it just um, it was powerful stuff. And I think those guys, again, they work so well together. And, you know, they're advertising it as going to be the best wrestling match ever. That's yet to, to be determined. We'll see. It's not like they've never wrestled but, uh, together before. But, you know, it, it's going to be a very good match, needless to say. And I'm, I'm all in on it. Uh, unfortunately, Mark, you're going to hate me. Uh, I actually wish that storyline had ended back when they had their, you know, uh, their fight all over the uh, performance center and they beat each other up on top of a truck a thousand times. I think that match, what that match lasted, like 45 minutes? 43 yeah. minutes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, on there. And then, uh, and it's still going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to leave well enough alone. I think. I wasn't a big fan of that last match, but it was actually really, you know, it was actually good. I think it was good enough to be left alone and not fuck with. You know what I'm saying? Just don't continue the storyline. Ed, you know, Edge, you know, got it. He won. Let's move on. Let's push Randy Orton yeah, for some more. I actually understand yeah. you. Uh, you know, at, at first, you know, I was thinking the same thing, but just the way how Randy Orton is advertising and selling it as far as like, you know, you weren't, you weren't the best wrestler. You're just the best man at night. I could out wrestle you. Yada, yada. You've never, you haven't wrestled an actual match since being back. You know, it's, it's making me go, oh, you got some good points there. And the way how Edge is selling it, it's making me more compelled to see this match. Cause initially I did agree with you, Eric. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think the way how they're selling it is making me more interested in seeing this match than anything else right now that's going on in uh, any, any, type of wrestling in any company right now yeah well said you guys have high hopes for this match this wrestling traditional wrestling match i mean the way they're building it up i mean they better knock it out of the park i'll tell you that because they're both good wrestlers but they're not the best in-ring technical wrestlers no it should be interesting how they play this out randy orton can work any type of match let's be real with edge though i mean all right i mean randy orton did say it you know, I know it's a work and everything, but, you know, we haven't seen Edge work an actual match, you know, inside an actual ring uh, for real. So, you know, we, we don't necessarily know. I think Edge is in phenomenal shape. You know, obviously, you know, he, he's he's been a good worker before, but, you know, let's see what type of match they work. If, if anything, you know, they know each other so well. So, uh, you know, I, I can't see why we would have a bad match. Best wrestling match ever? I don't know about that. Okay, but you can't. That's the problem. You can't say that. If you say that and you deliver the second best match ever, you just totally fucked everything up. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I, 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 I'm going to expect something huge that's going to blow everybody's mind because when you say it's the best match ever, you have to be on the edge Before of the seat. Beforehand, well, before you even have the match, you're advertising that. I, I think that's ludicrous okay. because you're, you're, you're setting yeah. them up. I agree with you. I, I think yeah. if you're going to talk about the best wrestling match ever, you talk about it after the fact, not beforehand. Because anything could go, anything could go wrong. Like, 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 what happens if someone gets injured like five minutes in? You're oh. definitely not going to have the best wrestling match ever. Eric, what about you? What thoughts on TV this week? You know what? I wasn't really too impressed with Raw. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So there was a lot of promos. NXT. I'm kind of happy. Uh, Killer Cross is there. Yeah. I good. hope that he gets a decent. Yeah. I hope he gets a decent push. Uh, Mia Yim was always one of my favorite uh, uh, female pro wrestlers. I hope they continue giving a push. But let's talk about AEW, okay? Oh yeah, oh, Mark. Uh, let's talk yeah. about that. So I have a top moment and I have a really low moment. My top moment, I, listen, this guy is phenomenal. Uh, he's worked for our promotion, okay? 
ECW, MJF, okay? Uh, just a phenomenal worker, and I love it. The guy can tell stories in the ring, and he faced the midget, Marco Stunt, okay? Which I was kind of upset, but then at the, at the same time, I said, well, let me see how this plays out. And you know what? The match was actually very good. It was. You know why the match was very good? Because of MJF, the guy knows how to work. The guy knows how to tell story. The guy has facial expressions. He works like there's an actual fans out there. Okay? He does not miss a beat. So that's one of my highlights of AEW. And then here comes a drawback. Here comes Orange Cassidy, or how my good friend Jim Cornette calls him, Pockets. Okay? <laughs> Against Ray Phoenix. Okay, listen. I like Pockets. I like Orange Cassidy. I th- I like the gimmick, and I get it. A lot of people can't buy into the the, the whole, you know, him putting his pan- hands in his pants and stuff like that. I get it. I thought the match, once it got serious, actually highlighted some good wrestling aspect for him. Uh, Ray Phoenix took a dive that pretty much killed him. Now he's injured. Uh, but, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. It, 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 was a, it was a bad fall. He could have yeah. been seriously hurt. Here's my thing, right? You're wrestling in front of basically nobody should you be killing yourself like that should you be taking these high-risk bumps in front of nobody are they live too or are they pre-taped as well um no they're live and i i, I never know anymore i, I know yeah they're live they, they are yeah. completely live because i know they're yeah. uh, they're pre-taped they pre-taped the um the stadium match i believe that they were the, live this past one yeah because they said they were live from that jaguar uh stadium so here, here's my point, guys. Where do you draw a line from killing yourself, okay? And I just want your opinion. You know, do you go out there like it's WrestleMania every day? Do you go kill yourself? Or you play safe knowing that there's no fans out there? If you get hurt, where are you going to? Where, you know, what are you going to do? What is your th- just quick thoughts on that. Do you, think Listen, should, I, do you think they should play I, up to the, only the fans on the crowd, not the guys at home watching it? Okay. I don't know. Here, here's here's yeah. my take on this. Like, you know, I understand what what Jaden's saying. Uh, listen, I, I've always been an advocate for less is more. You know, I, I'm, when Undertaker said that, it, it, it drew to me because I've always believed that. You don't necessarily need to do all these things, especially, you know, when you're not working a crowd uh, to go you know, kill yourself. You can easily tone it down a bit. And I get, you know, being a, being a luchador, you know, you want to do some more aerial things. You could still do that, but not if not to the extent you're going to go kill yourself out there. Uh, I, I agree with Jaden on this. It was a senseless move. I get it. You, you want to make an impact. You want to wow people, but there's a time and a place for it. You know, it's all exactly. about the ring psychology. And, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised also with the veterans that they have there uh, that no one's holding that uh, to the gig. Maybe you want to tone it down. I, yeah, but here's the here's the thing. They they tend to do a lot of hokey stuff, okay? And you know, they they it's almost like I I honestly believe that they're really allowed a lot of freedom over there to call their matches. And it sounds like they do. It sounds like yeah. they have a lot of freedom. Yeah, that's just, so that's maybe just, too much. Just, some would say. May, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to. I think that if things need to be kind of controlled down. I I, I have a lot of faith in AEW. I, I'm, I'm I'm cheering for them. Okay? You know, maybe I'm they do because look what yeah. happened this week. We had three injuries. You know, yes. Britt, Britt Baker is she's she's done for a while now. You know, with a yeah. with a torn ACL. Sad. Okay? That's that's something that shouldn't have happened. I mean, accidents happen, but you know, you have three injuries in one night like that. Come on, you know, so, something's got to change there. 
And he and the third injury was Matt Jackson, right? Right. The VP. <laughs> Let's just say that the right. VP. So if Matt Jackson's injured, well, he still has a job because he's the VP, True. one of the VPs of AEW. But going, you know, that was just a little joke I wanted to throw out there. But yeah, Mark, you're absolutely right. You got to kind of tone it down. Uh, come on, break, Breaker. I, I'm a huge fan of her. Sure. Now what? Sure. Now what? Yeah. Now what? Now she's hurt. And why are they getting hurt? Because they, they tone it down. Less is more. And I think you can still put out a great product on TV. But there's a time and place for everything. Do accidents happen? Yes. Yeah. This is not ballet. Uh, you know, accidents, they're going to happen. But to have three in one night, that says something. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I think, you know, something's got to be said to these guys. To like, hey, listen, what are we doing here? Yes. You know, and, and maybe that produces matches a little bit on the safer side. And smart. Not necessarily safer, but like smarter, I would say. Be smart. Less is more. All right, my takedown this week. Last week, I quickly mentioned this, um, but this week, I'm kind of surprised. I'm, it's the thing that stood out to me most. It's kind of two things that kind of blended together as one, but Bobby Lashley teaming up with MVP during the whole run with Lana and Rusev was kind of an embarrassment. This storyline sucked. Nothing came from this, the whole angle with that. But then I saw someone on Twitter who kind of felt bad for Bobby Lashley because Bobby Lashley is a good worker. He's good in the ring. Give him a chance to go, and he just they're not seeing that in WWE. They wish they could see Bobby Lashley as he was in Impact. He had a great run in Impact. He had a great rivalry with MVP and t- a nice little um, team with MVP. So they did both rivalries and partnerships together. And I went back to watch a couple of it today, and uh, it was pretty good stuff. So I'm excited to see that maybe they're actually finally giving Bobby Lashley a chance to be Bobby Lashley. I was thinking about making my takedown. I watched WB backstage, and Booker T and Mark Henry were so passionate about this. So excited about Bobby Lashley finally getting a chance. Kind of made me excited. And that's the weird saying I'm excited about Bobby Lashley because I've never said that before. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to see all these vacancies in the main event slot, and he's stepping up. They're giving him a chance. I'm hoping he doesn't drop the ball. I'm excited about these two teams, uh, these two pairings. MVP is a great mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley. They were a great pairing. They had great chemistry together. And quickly pair that with um, Austin Theory teaming up with Seth Rollins. Going back to what I mentioned last week, factions are now starting to form again, and I'm excited about it. Because Seth Rollins, to me, that storyline, his character was getting a little stale for me. Seth Rollins' character is definitely evolving you know, with the addition of Austin Theory. I mean, hey, let's face the facts. That's, a, that, that's an upgrade for Austin Theory right there. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's definitely going to like a main event type of level with that type of faction there. And then you want to go back to Bobby Lashley, what, what you're talking about. I have to agree with you, buddy. You know, really? I, I haven't been this interested in Bobby Lashley in a long that's time. And, uh, you know, they paired up Bobby <laughs> Lashley with Leo Rush. They paired him up with Lana. And it didn't necessarily do its justice, but for whatever reason, like, I guess maybe because of the fact that they know each other so well, like him yeah. and MVP, it just seems to work right away. And you know, we're seeing a side of Bobby Lashley that we you know we've been all dying to see, and you know, you know uh, to have him face Drew McIntyre, you know, who's also stepping into his own, slowly becoming that that uh, main event player to be the man of WWE. I, I think they're going to tell a very good story because they already are having they're dropping the seeds of it. I've heard they had good matches in Impact, too, so we know they can go. They have great chemistry in the ring as well. So I'm actually excited. I'm excited about this, and uh, I found myself saying, really? But nothing else compared to that, and I got my uh, juices flowing as that did. Was Bobby Lashley part of the beatdown clan? Buddy would know better than I would. This is before my time watching it, um, but I, was, I, think okay. that's what, I think that's what it was called, yeah. Because I was going back today to watch. Uh, I'm not sure about Loki. I know he was teaming with Bobby Lashley and that MMA guy, King. What was it called? The beat. Beatdown Clan. I think it was it was started by. Uh, it does sound familiar when with his name attached to it, but I can't say it because that was before my time. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna agree with you also, mm-hmm. Michael J. Uh, I got it right here. It's, it was that was MVP oh. and Kenny King. Kenny King, though. yeah. Oh, he, and and low key. Okay, got it. Okay, so it just, it just, just oh no, Lashley, Lashley was in there too. I'm sorry. So yeah. it was MVP, Kenny okay. King, Lashley, low key, Samoa Joe, Eric Young, Homicide, and Hernandez. Nice. Okay, so that was the beatdown clan. Okay, I I I am interested to see him evolve more because I honestly thought. He's, he wasted a lot of time with that Lana yeah. marriage Rusev angle. That was such a waste of time. Wait, it got dragged him. out. Got dragged out. Yeah. Way too long. Yeah. So that dragged way too long. And uh, yeah, I'm interested. I want to see where it goes from here. Hopefully, hopefully, creative doesn't fuck it up and, yeah. and, and, and push him off to the side. It, it doesn't seem like it. You know, it yeah. seems like, you know, already, you know, they, they have the chemistry. And then, like, you know, it, it seems like they're trying to force it with others. But, you know, when you have it, you have it. So, you know, you might as well roll with it. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm surprised they're not doing it again with Seth Rollins again. They're going to, they weren't going a different angle with Seth Rollins. So I'm not sure if this is going to be a one-time fill-in, and they're going back with Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Is this a tryout for Bobby Lashley? I'm, I'm saying I'm more curious to find out what the future holds for this. Well, you know, SummerSlam might as well be years away at this point. You know, they, they don't necessarily know where they're going to hold it. You know, so anything can happen from now to then. I mean, you look what happened, like, you know, was it last year, a couple of years ago? I keep forgetting because I don't know what time zone I'm in right now. But, uh you know, it wasn't necessarily supposed to be Kofi Kingston being Daniel Bryan, and that yep. was as, as early as the Royal Rumble. You know, it, it was supposed to be someone else, and then all of a sudden, Kofi Mania happened, and then boom, Kofi Kingston is the World Heavyweight Champion. So the same could happen right now. You know, it depends what Bobby Lashley does with this spot. Yeah, I agree, too. It depends what he does. And, um, you know, I, speaking of Seth Rollins, uh, MJV, yeah. I mean, other than I think the WWE is really using him good in a sense to help build – that faction of young guys. Yeah. I okay. Uh, this whole Monday Night Messiah thing, uh, I don't yeah. like it. I liked it when it first came yeah. out. But I just don't think it got was getting over really with the crowd. And then yeah. they, they lose AOP and it was just him and Murphy and then just him for a while. I just think it, that any momentum they did have was lost. Now you, you notice AEW is doing like a similar thing with the Dark Order. And Brody Lee is actually doing a way better job in that part. Uh, this, this Rollins. But I, I, I think in order that they need to set, they need to, uh, they need to kind of like emerge from that and kind of make it their own with WWE as far as the Monday Night Messiah. I'm seeing glimpses of that, but it's kind of still too similar to what the Dark Order is doing. And AEW is crushing it with that in my eyes because it seems like Brody Lee is just really enjoying that part. I, I, I feel that CM Punk did a better job with the whole Messiah gimmick. Ooh, but, I forgot, yeah. I forgot about that. Straight society. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, 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 he, it was better. I think that Messiah gimmick is so much better in front of people. You know what I'm saying? If you have a, if you have fans, you could draw from it. You know, say so you could draw yeah. the energy. Yeah. So, uh, Seth, I, I love you. I have to uh, say, the last couple of weeks, yeah. though, I, I, I've seen I'm seeing an evolution of that. I see Seth Rollins embracing it more with like you know the the, the trance that he was in uh, the the night after um, Money in the Bank. I like that. And then last yeah. and then last week with what we saw with him and Austin Theory. It, he's coming into his own. Way. I don't know necessarily know if, if it's him embracing the character more or, or or just creative in general. But I'm seeing a change here. It's making me a little bit more interested. I will I will say that. Yeah, me too. So I'm looking forward to see where they go from here. Yeah, well, maybe he maybe he's watching uh, some more Benny Hinn. Uh, what is it, Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe he's watching some Joe Olstein. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my parents love that guy. Yeah, my parents too, man. I just don't get it. Okay. I think he's a used car salesman in my eyes. Yeah. Are right, you guys watch? I like Brother Greatness, actually. <laughs> did you guys watch Chapter Two of the Undertaker documentary? Any takeaways I from did. that? I did. 
you know what, man? I, I've been bouncing around between watching that and the last dance with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it gets me excited to see uh, Undertaker. I mean, clearly, you know, like he was supposed to retire, what, WrestleMania 33 against Roman Reigns. Yeah. Clearly, was not a fan of how it went out. But it was phenomenal to see the, the shape that he was in. It was probably the worst shape in his life in that match with Roman Reigns. And to see him come back uh, the way he did against John Cena, he looked, he looked younger, he looked fresher, he looked like he can go. And uh, it was cool to see. Yeah. It's funny how he said he prepared for 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, this guy's training pretty hard. Isn't, wasn't that like a squash match? And they're giving him five. I'm like, that sucks. That would have been a good match. <laughs> but he's, he had a good point. They're not selling time. They're selling entertainment. And uh, they delivered on that part. Listen, anything The Undertaker does, it's great. Okay, we spoke about this. The guy is a wrestler, okay? A professional wrestler, but he's also a great entertainer. And just a gimmick. To pull off the Undertaker gimmick, the different stages and everything he's done from the badass to just straight up Undertaker, you know, coming out. Nobody has a better entrance than he does. Okay? Yeah. Nobody. And and he and he's killing it. And I'm loving uh again, I'm a big I'm old school guys, so maybe I'm a purist. I believe in kayfabe. And I don't believe I believe breaking too much kayfabe is not good, but in a sense, since I think that he's on his way out, this is okay. And he's revealing a lot of his life and everything. And you're absolutely right. He looks fucking phenomenal for his age. Yeah. Look at him. 55. On, that training, he, that's awesome. And the training he goes through, that CrossFit, because I do it, Ooh, it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy. So, And the many years his body is taking the beating in the ring and mm. he's still able to compete, the guy is like, in God level right now in wrestling. I will say this. I did cringe and had to turn away when they showed the surgery on his oh, head. That was some nasty shit right now. Even, it was even disgusting. When I turned away, I heard the hammering on his bone. It was just, ugh. I turned away um, but peeked through my pinky fingers. You know, I, <laughs> for some reason. Disgusting. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll bring up a point. My wife asked me this because, you know, because, again, we were talking about, you know, watching The Last Dance, which was – which made sense because, you know, it's after the fact, you know, this documentary was filmed and, you know, we saw after we're seeing after the fact that Michael Jordan and, you know, all, all those bulls are already retired or long gone. How does this end? She asked. Undertaker's obviously still wrestling. And I, I said, what if it ends with his retirement? What if he retires right here on, on in the fifth episode? Do you think that's a possible way he goes out? That would be great. I, mean, I think it's possible. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I just think the uh, Boneyard match was that was it. That's the way he wanted to go out. And that was perfect. That's the way, that's to go the way out. it goes. Right, that's the way he went out in that match. But, you know, I mean... I think it ends with him saying he's done, but then it ends with, you know, never say never. I, 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 a tease, uh, a teasing, like Vince is going to call him or something. I don't know. I mean, I, he had the perfect opportunity to retire with the Roman Reigns. Like, that was a great way to go. I get why he yeah. felt he had to come back. I completely get it uh, after watching this, of course. But then you th- then we, as we talked last week, well, how does he retire then? Like, you know, how, how, how does he go out? I said at one point, jokingly, half serious, you know, it's got to be a coffin. Like, you know, maybe a, a coffin match. Um, but, you know, I, he's breaking kayfabe, as Eric said, after a long time of, you know, keeping that mystique going. Talk, talking about his name, Mark Calloway. We've, we've never heard really WWE mentioned by his name like this before so often. Mm-hmm. So I, it made me think, you know, uh, when my wife asked, you know, how does this end? I'm thinking the perfect way for it to end is him retiring. But And, and I hope it does. Uh, you know what? Chapter five, and he retires, that's perfect, okay? Because I want to remember The Undertaker as i always seen him, all right? When you, break the, when you break kayfabe and he's letting everybody into his personal life, I'm sorry the mystique is, is, is going out the window, okay? And it's going out the window fast. So you don't want to lose that. 
You don't want to lose it. And Undertaker knows that. But he agreed to do this. He agreed to do this series. He's broken kayfabe. He's letting people into his lives. What do you do now? You know what I'm saying? Just, I say, retire. Fade into the sunset. And, and and be a legend for life. And this this would actually make sense for him to retire like this. Because it's as he, yeah, it's called Last Ride. It's got to be called Last Ride for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. like part of me also still believes this. They're, they've been teasing Taker and AJ Styles uh, the last few times since the, the Boneyard match. I actually, part of me does believe this. They're holding out for Taker, AJ Styles for one more match to be the retirement match in front of a live audience. You I would that, not be surprised. You said that, that before. I just don't think that's the case. I think it's just them showing AJ, AJ shook. I don't think they're saying it for another rematch, but we could find out. We could be wrong. We'll find out next year at WrestleMania. It's called foreshadowing, buddy. That's called foreshadowing. Um, speaking of the Undertaker, I listened to a great interview he did with the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, he talks about being backstage with the Montreal Screwjob, something I never heard of from somebody else's point of view. Being a locker room leader, his favorite matches, how he transitioned to the American Badass, and why he did it. Uh, it was a great interview. Definitely check it out. It wasn't the latest episode. I think it's two episodes ago so bill simmons podcast the undertaker definitely worth an easy fun listen all right guys let's get some go home thoughts all right time for some go home thoughts uh mark towards yours so you know as we normally do or i've recently been doing before we uh before we start recording this i go on uh, instagram live from shot of wrestling and anyone that's listening to us you could follow us shot of wrestling uh all forms of social media it's called just shot of wrestling it's pretty easy for us to find and, uh, you know, Instagram Live, and it had this discussion about, you know, WWE, right? You know, Becky Lynch, gone. Roman Reigns, gone. You know, right, right off the bat, now you're scrambling to see who the top person is, who's going to be the face of the company. Guys, if it wasn't clear as day this week, then I don't know what the hell we're talking about. Charlotte Flair obviously is the man of the company right now. Mm-hmm. Raw, NXT, SmackDown. She's killing it. Uh, she's absolutely crushing it right now. And, you know, she's got the look, she's got the ability, it, you know, she stepped right in and, and she, it's just like a natural role for her. So I'm really glad to see her stepping up to the plate. My concern though, is if she's getting work too hard working all three shows, does that leave a possibility that she could probably get injured? Is she going to get work too hard? So I, I hope to God that they take that NXT title off first soon. So can, she can be a true workhorse for this company. I agree. Um, Charlotte Flair is phenomenal. I agree that you take the belt off her. Okay. I agree that if she continues the schedule of working all the brands, unfortunately, she's going to wear herself out. And when you wear yourself out, you get prone to injuries. So I hope that, uh, that she less is more. Okay. Yeah. She gets, yeah, less is more. You know, she works smart. I mean, and she's a very smart, you know, intelligent woman. So hopefully, you know, everything balances out. So in the wrestling world, man, right now, my, my go-home thoughts is that uh, I had a comment. Like, you go on the uh, Shot of Wrestling. Uh, I go into various sites. I have people messaging me about the independent wrestling coming back. And I tell people, please, please, please wait. Yeah. Let the promotion, let the state clear, you know, give us guidelines. My biggest concern, and I'm as as a professional wrestler myself, is the safety of the fans and the safety of the workers. When they come out with policies, procedures, and how to proceed, we can go on. Unfortunately, you have people advertising shows out there because I've been hit on saying, "Oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be running a show in October. We're gonna be running a show in September." Nobody's running shit, folks. Okay, take your time. Not in New York, at least. I mean, I know they're running shows in Tennessee and what have you, but like. Yeah. You know, listen, in yeah. New York, 
we're shut down, or at least in the yeah. tri-state area, until uh, Lord knows when. Uh, you know, I, I had a, I actually did an interview with Brother Greatness earlier today, whole other story. But, you know, we, we were talking about pretty much mentally we're preparing for 2021. If it happens earlier than that, great. But if, we're, if our expectation is 2020 for us to happen, I think we're in for a major letdown. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I, when people tell me when is, is wrestling coming back, at least in this area, I would say 2021. Uh, for all my fellow workers out there, please do not rush into anything. Do not rush into because somebody wants to book you. Uh, a lot of these promotions do not pay a lot of money. Okay, we know that. Some promotions are paying 25, 30, 40. Let's be honest, breaking kayfabe here. Do you want to get yourself sick and possibly spread it on to other people and possibly pass away because of it? Because this coronavirus does not discriminate. It kills the healthy, the non-healthy, whoever. Take it easy, everybody. Wrestling will return in some form of fashion, but it will be a new norm. I don't know if they allow 25, 50%, 75 people to attend the shows, but we'll find out very soon. Or maybe, or maybe we'll wrestle outside. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll wrestle outside. You know, I, I did oh. that interview with Savannah Evans last week. Brought up, you know, maybe we'll wrestle on a beach. <laughs> or oh, maybe we'll be filming wrestling and you know, and it look great like the last ride. We don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll Guys, do virtual reality wrestling. I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nobody knows. It's a big question mark. And unfortunately, in the state of New York, it's part of Phase Four, so it's the last phase. So we're looking at we we're possibly looking at 2021, but if it returns. I guarantee you there'll be a lot of guys like myself being ready. Just just let's return safe so nobody gets hurt. And I'll be ready backing you up, Jaden. Thank you, sir. I'll throw some kicks. I'll, I'll bite. I'll throw elbows. And anyway, you know I'm going to talk a lot of shit while I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could bring MJP into the ring, man. He need, he need, we need to do a spot with him. Yeah, I, I know guys BWF want us to have a tuxedo match. But, you know, I'll Ooh. kill buddy. Ooh, Apologies nice. in advance to Brother Greatness for uh, Mark Schwann being a dick. Um, hopefully we can edit that around. Uh, Mark, well, the greatness was a dick to me, actually. I, let's I talk about that. doubt that. Uh, Mark, you're talking about <laughs> pro, uh, indie wrestling not coming back to New York for a while. Do your best to support your favorite indie wrestlers by going to ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, yes. this, this weekend, the show is going to post Sunday night. They have a promotion ending Monday at noon, so you might be cutting it close here. 20% off everything using the Code Memorial. I bought a couple shirts myself. Looking forward to the game. Nice. Looking forward to getting those. And go to collarandelbow.com. They're selling a Brooklyn Zone Beast Shad Gaspar shirt. All proceeds go to him and his family. So support Good. your favorite indie wrestlers, and they need the only thing you get these days. You know, Aston Morales is going to be all over this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he will be. Hey, by the way, folks, we are working on Satsujin Mask. So stay Hell tuned yeah. very soon. We're working on Satsujin Mask, and you'll be out there, and you can style the profile with the best faction in the world and i have to piggyback off that uh we have shot of wrestling new t-shirts coming out and uh i believe we're going to have a very well-known model showcasing our new merch so be on the lookout for that um so that is basically the show this week eric i know you want to end on some good news the floor is yours yeah we we have some great news so this week i was contacted by the Rockaway Times, which is a newspaper out here in the Rockaways. Uh, I had reached out to them about writing a wrestling column. So they accepted me, and I'll be writing a weekly column that will come out every Friday covering wrestling. 
Uh, for now, we'll be covering wrestling shows, and then they want me, hopefully, if it's nice and everybody enjoys it, to continue it and talk more about professional wrestling, you know, and uh, and in the local area and throughout the nation. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Very Thank happy you, sir. Man. That's Thank definitely you. awesome to see. When do you start with that? That will be Monday. I have to submit my first draft to the editor, okay. and then if it gets approved, it'll be out on Friday. What's the first draft about? The first draft will be covering what we just spoke about, I guess, basically in the last these last Fair shows. Enough. Yeah, I might, I might, I might change it up. I'll give them the last three major shows, or maybe I'll give them next Monday. You know, as to coming up, you know. But the only thing is, I won't be able to cover SmackDown. I'll be truly honest. I hate SmackDown, so whatever. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Eric Javen hates SmackDown. I do. I really do. Looking forward to that. Eric, where can people find you on social medias? Yes, sir. You can find me on Facebook at Eric Jaden. You can follow me on Twitter at Follow the Bad Guy. And you can follow me on Instagram at Bad Guy Sexiness. You can also follow the Satsujin Squad on Facebook. Eric, thanks for being here. Thank you. Mark? You can find me at yourfavoriteactor.com, plain and simple. Uh, you go there. All my social media sites are there. And uh, I want to say also thank you to Ace Austin and Abel. Killer job and interview. And again, man, best of luck on your on your new series coming out. I've been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week, Putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last, last call, call at, at the, the bar. bar. Oh. All right, everybody, you have made it to the end of the episode in its last call. We're still here with the one true ace, Ace Austin. Now, Ace, very simple. When I ask you the question, the first thing that comes out of your mind is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? All right. And away we go. What is your spirit animal? A monkey. Who was your markout wrestler growing up? Jeff Hardy. Who has been your toughest opponent? Rich Swan. Whether professionally or personally, name one thing on your bucket list. Japan. What do you consider to be your prized possession? Uh, well, it was the X Division Championship, I suppose. What is the best feature on a woman? Hmm. I like Mr. Booty. <laughs> All right. Who is your celebrity crush? Um, trying to think of some stuff I might have watched recently, you know? Um, let's just say Jennifer Aniston. Why not? Oh, old school. Let's pick one. All right. All right. If you could change anything about yourself, what would it be? Change anything about myself? I'm, I'm pretty damn perfect. That's your answer. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A Shot of Wrestling. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby, but I got you pinned. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>